KWVA. KWVA. You're listening to KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. If you're looking for some of our best calls, line drive, left field, see you in the supers! And it's high fives for version five! Our daily schedule. Big fly to center field, taking Gindelsberger to the warning track, and it's gone! Or some of the other fun stuff we've got going on, head to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KWVA Sports. Now live at 6 o'clock, KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quacksmack. I like talking talking sports. Quacksmack. What? Quacksmack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. Happy Thanksgiving, Eugene. Welcome inside the KWVA Studios on this cloudy, cold Thursday Thanksgiving afternoon. I'm your host today, Jonah Burnell, here in the KWVA studios. Joined alongside me is Mr. Ben McGrath. And Saul, I've never been on the show with you before. I don't so. think this is the first time we've been on the show together. Yeah, so, crazy. all right, here's a, here's a landmark right here. Ben, we've been on a couple together, so yeah, we, we, this is, we're used to this. Yeah, I actually had my, de- my debut with Saul uh, yesterday. So. Really? Yeah, it was a fun show, actually. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was kind of, you know. Yeah, you guys are warmed up? Football. Yeah, we talked some more football. We talked... We pretty much talked everything yesterday, which is pretty fun. But we, we had a good conversation about some Thanksgiving stuff. Yeah, right on. one one conversation, Jonah, we had was most underrated uh, Thanksgiving food. I'd like to get your opinion on that. What underrated? Yeah. Uh, it seems like macaroni is even the most uh, underrated. That's what underrated? I've been. That's what I've been you hearing. Underrated. I feel like that's pretty highly rated. That's what I've been hearing this week. Is that's the most underrated food? I talk because I ask people like friends and family. You know, macaroni is that a popular dish on Thanksgiving? And most people are like, not really. Is not that really. the one you're going to though? The, today yeah oh there's gonna be macaroni there oh yeah and gotta you're, you're diving be. in that oh yeah. absolutely that's the first thing that's gonna be on my plate <laughs> like that no hesitation like i'm going straight for that mac and cheese mm. what's, could your, be, what's your take on turkey i i, I don't I eat personally it don't you don't eat turkey on no. thanksgiving nope that is nope. crazy no. i am not even a huge turkey fan but it's too dry it's not i don't yeah. enjoy it but i like, i was saying this just that i would take a turkey over ham any day. I just like. Yeah. I don't. Oh no. I don't really mess with ham like that much. Mm. I like. I'll eat it. It's tolerable. But I will much rather take turkey over ham any day. But ham? yeah, I do agree with you guys that sometimes turkey is kind of just a hit or miss with. Even with gravy caked on the turkey, it's not. It's too dry. Uh, it's, even with I'm not even a big gravy guy either. That's great. You do not like Thanksgiving. Also, I didn't know. Thanksgiving. Or, I mean, if you're just eating mac and cheese, like we might. Have no, no. I, I, ham, honey baked ham is okay. quite nice. Okay. That's that is fair. delicious. There's always leftovers for like a week or two. You can eat that yeah. with the macaroni. I like mashed potatoes. I like green beans. I like vegetables. I'm a vegetable guy. So I load my plate up with vegetables, with the mashed potatoes, with the macaroni, with the ham. That's a good Thanksgiving meal right there. Uh, you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. I don't need the turkey. I don't need it. I don't need the stuffing. I don't need stuffing. That's crazy. You just don't 
like Thanksgiving. Uh, no, I love it. I I love like what I eat. Pizza. There's people right. that eat pizza for Thanksgiving. That's There's criminal. people. I'm not gonna lie. That's what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> 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 what are, what are you guys' plans tonight? We're 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 in Eugene. Everyone else is at home with families. We're here. I mean, I'll be with my girlfriend's family later. But for you guys, I know Ben, your girlfriend's in New York. So what do you, what are you guys up to? Uh, you know what? I'm just chilling in my house. You know, cooking up a steak, making hey. some making some sides. I got a little pumpkin pie too. It's just to kind of you know see steak on Thanksgiving. That needs to be a thing. I th- it's a good thing, right? Like yeah. I did it last year, the same thing where I just got myself a, a couple steaks and mm-hmm. it's good. You just get yourself some sides, some potatoes or some pasta, whatever you want, and then a little dessert and yeah. you just have your own Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Especially that's the other thing too. A turkey just takes too much work. If it's only for oh, I like never cook. less than five, <laughs> in my opinion, you don't make a turkey if you're not if you're making food for less than like five people. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. If, you're, ma- if you're making it for more than like ten or twenty, then yeah, that's yeah. ideal. But I don't even I couldn't tell you how to the step one into making a turkey. No idea. <laughs> Put it in the oven. Made, that's all I know. I made a turkey on uh, on Sunday for our friendsgiving. Okay, it was pretty oh, you, good. So you made a turkey for friendsgiving. Yeah. Wow. I had I, me and me and another dude took the took the honor of making the turkey and it was my first time ever. I think it was pretty good, but all right, all right. We, did, we still have leftovers. It's probably a bad sign. Just See, Friendsgiving, Friendsgiving's always. I had one last year. I didn't do one this this year, but last year, everyone just made. I made croissants. Ooh. Easy, easy money. Easy you know? money. Just put that in the oven. Guaranteed. Everyone good. loves a croissant. You yeah. Know? So made that, but other people brought macaroni, brought like, you know, just lasagna type stuff. No one made turkey. No one cares about turkey, at least in my friend group. What? How many people were at your friendsgiving? Dude, year? we had we had like well, we did, we really did it up. I think it was eighteen people. <sighs> we had turkey, ham. Everyone brought a dish. Everyone really pulled up. Dang. So, uh, yeah, I I definitely scratched the Thanksgiving itch uh, on Sunday already. Well done, dude. Well it, done. I was gonna say it's interesting to see the uh, the evolution that I think college kids go through when they have friendsgivings. Because a lot of times when you first have them, you just bring like snacks and stuff. Yeah, and you call that Friendsgiving, which I mean is good. It's a definitely a good time, but then people actually get a lot more creative and they start cooking food and they, yeah, they're getting older and it's just getting like man, grown up, yeah. getting grown up. There you go. That's what that's what college is about. We just yeah. get grown up, and Thanksgiving is the perfect example of that. Well, and I like to think Friendsgiving and even Thanksgiving, like of course food's a big part of it, but a lot of it's just getting together, you know, and this, realizing it's Thanksgiving and it's a day to just come together and hang out all day, you know, just talk all day about nonsense you know watch football, football. you know <laughs> football playing football was my playing football growing yeah. up I, this is my first thanksgiving since like four years old where i'm not playing football then there's we we don't even watch the nfl games on on uh, thanksgiving we just start play? out there on morning yeah playing yeah. all day long yeah. the whole community's out so i miss that I, that's what i miss about being home home on thanksgiving that's what i missed is family and then like yeah we'd play football not all day but like we would play football especially during halftime we'd come out in front of the garage in the street and just you know huck some dimes down the blacktop street you know <laughs> just slinging it it was, it was fun I, we never played tackle do you play tackle when you're you know on thanksgiving or do you play no. do you like playing two I hand mean, y- i was gonna say you probably do two hand you don't want to accidentally break a relative's hand or, or no man when you try to yeah obviously you want to make it more realistic you just get the, <laughs> the thanksgiving vibes you yeah. just want to be you know playing full-on tackle football but you also don't want anyone to get hurt there's, hey, there's families out there that do that like full-on rugby-style football games on I, Thanksgiving. I, I do that for – you're not from a snowy area, Jonah. No, no definitely out not. in Chicago, during during Christmas time when there's snow on the ground, then we'll play tackle because okay. you're snow, – You get a couple inches of snow on the ground. You, you mm-hmm. can play full tackle without some injuries. That's fair. That's I'm fair. excited for that, that Christmas fair. Eve game. 
I know I want I want to go out and play some football, but I'm already running late to where I need to be tonight for Thanksgiving. So maybe did you bring your football? I did. You did. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll get a couple throws. All right. I can hit you on some rivalry dimes. game. At yeah. The kid to a VA station. Yeah. Saul can be like monkey in the middle or something. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. I'm, d- I'm never getting the ball then with your guys' height. I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> Do you guys have any like Thanksgiving movies or shows or like episodes? Like, I, cause I can't really think of any movies. I was gonna say. I mean, there's not a lot of Thanksgiving movies out there. At yeah. least not like. Yes, yes. 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 That one. So that one. okay, yeah. I was gonna say that one, but I didn't know if that's like a considered a Thanksgiving movie. Is it? I don't know. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I've watched that movie on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think like every year. So have I. It's so good. I haven't watched it yet this year. I got to watch it at some point today. But yeah, yeah that's that's a banger. That, But that's really the only that's movie I can think of. I mean, of. Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving. We would always watch yeah, that. Yeah, I, I always watched the Charlie Browns, but never really the Thanksgiving one. It was always the Halloween and Christmas one. Never really watched the Thanksgiving one. What about I mean, yourself? You can always get to turn on Hallmark. I'm sure they, oh, they, no. they make, you know, four, five, six, seven movies a year about Thanksgiving. I mean, they're a little dramatic, obviously. But, <laughs> but you know, if you're looking for something Thanksgiving-themed, I mean, it's it's not a bad route to take. My mom loves those Hallmark movies. Every year, it's just that's what's on. From November to January, it's just Hallmark on the TV in the living room every day. And some of them are okay. Like, some of them actually have – interesting storylines but most of them are just the fairy tale like disney like just you it's so obvious what's happening and i don't know i'm, I'm i might be a, a a scrooge on the hallmark movies but um yeah that's blaine trains that's the only one i can think of mm. i watch what i like to do for all holidays halloween thanksgiving christmas uh take shows that i watched growing up like friends or you know even seinfeld or modern family those type of shows and watch the like holiday themed uh, episodes from each good. season because it's a guaranteed enjoyable yeah. show you are you know it exactly like yeah. i think today i think every year tbs does a, a friends thanksgiving marathon yeah. so they have like nine thanksgiving episodes and they'll just play them on repeat all day mm. um we already me and my girlfriend already watched all of those we watched a couple modern family ones i don't know if you guys watch Classic. that show Classic. yeah Classic. great show it. ty burrell oregon alumni shout out Phil Dunphy. Shout out. He was at Phil college Dunphy. game day in Utah, right. rubbing the duck gear. That was, yeah. uh, th- that was pretty cool yeah. to see. He had a, he was one of the, uh, the shoe, um, designers this year. You know, every week they've had like shoe specials, shoe designers and Ty Burrell, I believe was, I think that week of Utah, he was the guy who did the shoe design. Um, but yeah, we would wa- we watch, I like to watch, you know, show episodes. Um, Christmas is different. Christmas has a plethora of movies to watch. So you don't really have to do that. Yeah, and yeah, still have time. You'll find more, but yeah, I mean, like, what, what's better? I'm sorry to cut you off, but Christmas or Thanksgiving? What's your what's your holiday? If you had an ideal, say like this Thanksgiving is pretty, pretty low key for all of us. Mm-hmm. But if you had your ideal Thanksgiving and your ideal Christmas, which one are you going to be more? Christmas, for? Christmas, just because it's yeah. really it's the same thing. Everyone's cooking. Everyone's getting together. The addition you have, you can have a movie on in the background, Christmas movie. You have Christmas music. There's no Thanksgiving music. You have Christmas music in the background. You sometimes you do gift exchanges. You know, right before you head home. I'm always, whenever I was, you know, growing up, we'd go to family's house. We were there. It's like midnight. 
and then oh, we yeah. could go home. That's always fun. Yeah, and I would always think we would see Santa on the way home, <laughs> flying above us. But yeah. I, I got to go Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I I've always been a big Christmas guy. That's just kind of my thing. Like I just love that time period when it's snowing. I like mm-hmm. I'm I'm from Chicago as well. Like Ben, so it's always Anytime. snowing around that time. You know, it's just a really cool vibe all around. But Thanksgiving has really grown on me. I never used to be a big Thanksgiving guy because I was just like, all right, all we do is eat on that day. But as you get older and you start to appreciate it more, eating all day, watching football, <laughs> playing football, just chilling on it's the couch. It's pretty like, nice. It's, it's a pretty nice day overall. And then, you know, you just look forward to the weekend, you know, with everything yeah. else going on. Because everybody else has off, obviously, on Friday. So, right. you, just, you know, Friday's always fun. Saturday's fun. And then Sunday, you just kind of reboot and get ready for, you know, the next two weeks before Christmas. So speaking of the weekend, of course, always the day after is Black Friday. Do you guys do any Black Friday shopping? I do nothing but my uh, my video games on Black Friday. Yeah, the deals. Video games always go down to like 20 bucks on my like 2K Madden. Do you have, I'm a big sports gamer. Do you have so PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Okay, so do I. I, oh, I, hey, was, looking, gotta, I was looking into it. I think the 2K is down yep. pretty pretty good right oh, now. I'll definitely get the 2K. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's like it goes from like seventy bucks to thirty bucks every mm-hmm. single year. So mm-hmm. I just gotta wait a couple months. And yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I, I'd like to do a bit back Black Friday shopping, but at the same time, I don't really like go to the stores a lot anymore like I used to. It's really mm-hmm. all online now. Like I, I probably shop yeah. more on Cyber Monday when it's all the online <laughs> deals. But usually, so you're, the, you're an online shopper. You falling into that rabbit hole? I mean, because it's like, why would you go to the store? I there's tons of lines out there there's really depends no- what you buy there's really nothing to it because a lot of times the stores will open up thursday night yeah and just everyone will take everything and then when, by the time you get there friday morning it's like there's really nothing or anything that you wanted to get well, what are you looking for usually are you looking for clothing or are you looking for like yeah clothing i mean sometimes i just go and browse but you know if i have my eye on something like a you know like a like you said a video game or, or mm-hmm. yeah some shoes or something i'll go but yeah it's just sometimes when you go in person there's just nothing left. Like it just yeah. looks like the the store got ransacked pretty much. So I mean, online shopping is just better just because I mean, you could just sit on your couch and yeah. and just window buy we yeah, window shop basically or or online shop whatever you want to call it. It's just a lot nicer nowadays, but I mean, you know, it, it used to be fun going to going to stores on Black Friday and seeing all the crowds and yeah, you know. it gets less and less every year obviously with that online aspect now. I mean, every single website has its own online add to cart you know order system um i don't know it's if i'm buying clothing or shoes or i like i like going in person i'm still the type of guy you know even i'm i was born in 2003 and even with we're supposed to be the technology generation and just you know sit at home and order stuff but i'm like i'm old school i like to go shop in person even buying christmas gifts for family and friends i go in person i don't buy much of anything online unless it's something i can only get online um i used to go black friday it was funny i have an older older brother and his wife we would always you know think talk about like oh let's go out we're gonna stay up till midnight we're gonna go shop at thursday night friday into the morning and go black friday shopping and every year we would do it and it was the most boring thing (laughs) ever like it was the dumbest idea like we were every time we'd go home at like 1 a.m. be like, why are, why did we do that? Like Sucked. that was, yeah, not even. It's just like that was a waste of time. Yeah. Like, there was nothing to do. Um, are you still working at Dick's Sporting Goods? This could explain your defendancy over uh, well, not online shopping. Yeah. Well, hey, you defend your ground. We Dick's Sporting Goods. It's funny because Dick's Sporting Goods doesn't have. They have deals and there's a lot of stuff on sale, but it's not like crazy. 50 60 percent off stuff it's a lot of just like 25 30 percent off 
You yeah, know, I mean, save so- ten bucks. You know, it's not like crazy Best Buy or Target deals. Yeah, know? I mean, I was gonna say, especially like a place like Dick's Sporting Goods. I remember I used to like drive past there all the time, and mm-hmm. like I'm especially on Black Friday, that place would just be going crazy. Yeah, I mean, but, it's busy. Yeah, don't it, get me wrong, it's busy, but just some of the deals are just it's not like, great. like you say, it's not great. Like yeah. you, you get but maybe. You can, yeah. 10 20 bucks off a hundred dollar purchase which i mean isn't bad right especially if you're trying to you know buy in bulk and you're trying to save a couple bucks but it, like you say it's something like best buy where they do 50 to 60 percent off which yeah. actually makes a huge difference mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's some of the deals are definitely kind of skeptical but i mean you know it's funny i gotta be there i gotta go in there at 7 a.m tomorrow clock into work and then going pretty much straight from work back to here in studio to go you know meet up with uh ryan oppenheimer we're going to be covering the Oregon State game tomorrow night, and then you know Ryan Milano and and Knight is Knight on the call, or is it Austin or Knight Duretsky? Yeah, so they're on the call, so we'll drive over to the stadium. So I'm going to be out of the house from 6:30 a.m. till probably 9:10 p.m. tomorrow. So it's going to be a it's grind. Been a long one. Long yeah, day. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game kickoffs at 5:30, and yep, we know it's going to be a bloodbath tomorrow. It's going to be. We're going to talk about that actually. When we come back here, we're going to take our first break on this Thursday edition of Quack Smack. When we come back again, we'll talk some Oregon football as they get ready for the final Oregon State-Oregon showdown right here in Eugene tomorrow. We'll talk it when we come back here on 88.1 FM. KWVA. KWVA. In the streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. You're listening to Quack Smack here on KWVA Eugene 88.1. Our coverage doesn't stop when the show ends. For the latest news on Oregon athletics, follow the KWVA sports staff on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Also, check out the website at kwvaradio.org. Quack Smack returns right after this. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom, come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Joey McMurray, broadcaster for the Oregon Sports Network and former KWVA sports director. But he's wearing Adidas pants. You can't do that. And you're listening to Quack Smack. Back here on this Thanksgiving edition of Quack Smack inside the KWVA studios. I'm your host this afternoon, Jonah Bruneau, joined by Saul and Mr. Ben McGrath. We talked an awful lot of Thanksgiving-themed stuff just now. How about we talk some sports, actually? Because, you know, that's what we do here. We're a sports talk show, apparently. But, you know, we had to talk some Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah it's, mean, it's fitting. It's Thanksgiving. I mean, you kind of have to, you know, you, you got to bring it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we're here. Why, why, why not talk about the holidays a little bit? But, hey, why not talk about the final 
at least for the foreseeable future, the final Oregon State Oregon showdown tomorrow night, a Black Friday prime time on Fox national television. Number six, Oregon, take it on number 16, Oregon State, the regular season finale. And for Oregon, it's simple win, and you're in for a rematch against Washington and Las Vegas in the Pac 12 title game. For Oregon State, it's a lot like last year, the situation. Oregon State can't get into the title game. It's either going to be Oregon or Arizona playing Washington. But Oregon State, like last year, they can play spoiler. They can take down Oregon, and Oregon season, not over. I mean, they can play spoiler. Let's just put it that way once again. Uh, so the Beavers coming into Eugene. They haven't won in Autzen Stadium since 2007. They took a double overtime win that year. Um, so it's been quite some time since the Beavers have won inside Autzen Stadium. Can they do it again tomorrow night? I mean, like you said, it's eerily similar to last year. Again, mm -hmm. the Ducks are on the outside looking in, trying to get into the playoffs. They need to win this game. And they need to win this game essentially to get into the Pac-12 championship too because if, if Arizona beats Arizona State and, we lo and Oregon loses to Oregon, Oregon State, then it's really over. Yeah. I mean, the Ducks basically have no game left uh, – Right. Aside from a a, a, bowl a fake game. bowl game, right? Yeah, Don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's just definitely going to be probably the biggest game up to this point. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of hype scrolling the Colorado game, then the USC game, and now it's going to be Oregon State. I think that this is going to be the most important game outside of the Pac-12 championship, just because, I mean, like you said, the stakes are high. There's a lot of tension in the air, especially after what happened last year when Oregon was still fighting for a spot in the Pac-12 championship, but Oregon State. They played spoilers. You know, they're going to be looking to do the same tomorrow in Elton Stadium. But, you know, Dan Lanning, he's been fired up all week. The team's been fired up all week. They've been playing highlights from last year in the fourth quarter in the locker room all week. Mm -hmm. That just shows you the intensity that they're going to be bringing to this game. Yeah, and so you look, and it just you mentioned the stakes are, are sky high for Oregon because if they lose this game against Oregon State tomorrow night, depending on what Arizona does against Arizona State, they could still get into the Pac-12 title game. But – their hopes for a college football playoff spot are over. Um, but if they win tomorrow night and they go on to play Washington in the Pac-12 title game, that pack, that college football playoff spot, likely the fourth spot, is still a possibility for Oregon. Um, they would – they have to – let's put it this way. They have to win out. They have to win out to have a chance at the college football playoff. Uh, for the Pac-12 championship game in itself, the final Pac-12 championship game at that – um, Oregon, there's a little bit of wiggle room, but let's just, you know, spade for spade. Oregon's not thinking about that. They just want to get the job done, go win against Oregon State, and not have to think about all these different scenarios that could play out. Um, and you mentioned, Ben, Arizona. Talk about a resurgent team. Uh, this team had, has been really irrelevant the last couple of years, really this decade. Uh, this is a team that's been a losing team. And out of nowhere, Jaden Dolores started the season off for Arizona at the quarterback. Uh, then Noah Fafita takes over, a freshman quarterback, and he's just been unbelievable. Look out for him next year, uh, potential Heisman candidate You know, next year, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. Uh, he's got that potential. But he's led this Arizona team to their 15th in the nation now, uh, and they still have – it's an outside chance, but they have a chance at that to be in the Pac-12 title game next weekend or sorry, December, was it December 1st? I believe That's the second. second the game is uh, in Vegas, Pac-12 title game against Washington. Um, so give credit to Arizona. They've done an amazing job down there in Tucson. Uh, but back to Oregon, Oregon State tomorrow night. Uh, you know, Bo Nix has been unbelievable. 
He played a good last year. Let's look at last year's game. You know, Bo Nix was 27 to 41. Uh, he had over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He played well. Um, it was really that fourth quarter. It all fell apart. Yeah, the last, the final three drives Oregon had uh, were all resulted in turnover on downs. Uh, Oregon State scored 21 unanswered points to go ahead and win that game. They were down 31 to 10 at one point in late in the third quarter uh, at home in Corvallis last year. Um, and came back in the fourth quarter to win and, and end all hopes of Oregon for anything. Really, it was the conference championship because they didn't have a chance at the playoff at that point. But they even spoiled their conference championship hopes. Um, so, like you said, Ben, it's eerily similar to last year, you know, this time around again. Well, it's eerily similar. And just a question I have for you guys is, who is this a bigger game for, Bo Nix or Dan Lanning? Bo Nix? The Heisman is on the line. So much is on the line for him. He's trying to get drafted next year. And everything he can do to show as much as he can can, can possibly gain him millions of dollars next year. And meanwhile, Dan Lanning, if he goes down two straight years to Oregon State, I couldn't imagine the negative media storm that will head his way and, and, and just the narrative that, that this team goes into next year. So who has more on the line here? It's a good question. Um, I think it's it's really close. I think Bo Bo's proven himself that he is an NFL type quarterback. Um, I, in my opinion, I wouldn't have said that a year ago. Absolutely not. But I think now he's he's definitely put himself in the conversation to where he is a potential first or second round draft pick in in the draft coming up next year. Um, I think he's already proven himself. Now, of course, uh, you know he wants to win this game. He wants to make win the Pac-12 championship. He wants to make it a college football appearance before he's done in college. But I think he's proven himself for Dan Lanning. Um, I think it's, it's already been a step up from last year. I think, you know, his first, this is his first head coaching gig. And so, um, you know, last year it was 10 and three. They ended up, that was the final record. Even after the bowl game, 10 and three is the record. That's when you look, when you think about it, that's a successful year. I know there's a lot of organs. They want to be considered a powerhouse school, a championship national championship caliber team but look a brand new head coach it was a whole new slew of, of players last year a whole new uh coaching staff um and to go 10 and 3 in your first year is pretty solid and so this year only one loss to this point um i think it's already been a step up from last year um it's hard to s- who this falls on more. I, Saul, do you have an answer? To yeah, that? I got. I mean, I would say definitely Bo Nix just because of, you know, this is going to be his last year in college. Mm-hmm. This is really going to be one of his last games that he can make an impact on his draft stock. So, you know, if they if Oregon loses to Oregon State, Dan Lang's not going to be in the hot seat. He's no, only been no, here for two years. Yeah, he's that's a good point. He's got a contract. Like, he, this team, this, you know, the school, everybody, they have faith in him, and they've seen what he could do as a head coach. The improvement from last year, even though they had a really good year last year, there's still been a lot of improvement into this team. Oregon's done really well in recruiting. They're going to have a good recruiting class for next year coming in. So, you know, it. I would say it definitely falls more on Bo Nix just because it's going to impact his draft stock. You know, if he loses this game and the Ducks don't make it to the, the playoffs, there's a good chance he doesn't win the Heisman because, you know, obviously you have two less games to show off your Heisman status if you're able to make it to the top four. So, you know, it's really going to be a bigger game for Bo Nix just to improve and leave his legacy, you know, uh, for, for his college career. I could, see, I could see that, but I got I to gotta give the nod to Dan Lanning. I think 
just like media narratives matter, I think, to coaching and, and what the town, what the town of Eugene and all of Duck fans think of Dan Lanning, that, that affects performance. And if the tide starts going towards, oh, Dan Lanning's not the option, he's already had a lot of criticism this year for fourth down play calling or what have you. And if, and if this happens again against Oregon State, I think there is all the momentum for the Dan Lanning haters to just create this storm around this team. And that is a bad, bad focus moving forward, both recruiting and, and just all momentum and cohesiveness as a team. Yeah, both good points. But I think I'm leaning with Saul here because, like you mentioned, Saul, only Dan's second year, Coach Dan Lanning's second year, um, the expectation is for him to be here in Oregon for at least another three seasons possibly um and if they lose tomorrow night i don't like you said he's not going to be on the hot seat he's not going anywhere um like you said there's also there's a lot of his recruits are still coming in next year um i think this team's only going to get better year over year which is super exciting um for bo nix i think it it does fall on bo nix just because for him personally you know this is on a personal level for him where he wants he wants to get this pac-12 title game this is why he came to oregon uh, Auburn was not the right situation for him. Uh, he came here to Oregon for a fresh restart, a new coaching staff as well. Dan Lanning, uh, he knew his system down in the SECs, and they came here together uh, in a whole different conference, and they have lit in the world on fire, especially this season. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to Bo Nix as to you know who this falls on more just because on a personal level, you know he wants to go out and get a Pac-12 title in his final season. And again, that's why he came to Oregon for. Yeah, I think that's another good point to mention last year was that he got hurt in the Washington game. And right. really those last three games were not at all how he wanted to play because mm -hmm. his ankle was hurt. He couldn't really move well in the pocket. He couldn't move well outside the pocket, which is something he's done really well this year. He hasn't really rushed that much, but he's been able to get outside and really find those receivers on the run. The right. last three games of the year last year, he couldn't do that. And I think that had a big impact that a lot of people didn't realize, even though they still were able to pull out the win against Utah to give themselves a chance to win against Oregon State. But, you know, had Bo Nix been healthy, I'm sure they wouldn't have let the game get to that point. I'm sure they would have just kept tacking on points. They wouldn't have taken those kinds of risks. So, you know, obviously he wants a repeat of – or he doesn't want a repeat of last year. He wants to make sure he changed the narrative that, okay, when he's healthy, he can beat Oregon State. Last year was just kind of I, – I guess I want to call it kind of a fluke really, pretty much because he wasn't healthy, he wasn't able to be the Bo Nix that he's been this year. Ben? Yeah? Come on in here. I Come mean, on in yeah, here. Yeah, I, I stay strong on my point. I, I, right. I definitely All think right. it's Dan Lanning. Bo Nix is like, kind of like what you said before. Bo Nix is going to get drafted this year. Mm -hmm. He is uh, going to play for an NFL team, whether that's a starter or not, we don't know. But I think he has proven himself as a quarterback. Um, in terms of his college legacy, certainly – but for some reason, I feel like that doesn't that's that's not everything for Bo Nix. And, and he's and he's worried about the the next chap chapter in his uh, in his career. Let's talk about Oregon State a little bit more, um, you know, with the matchup coming up tomorrow night. Obviously, they have their own transfer in their own right. And DJ Uagalele coming over from Clemson. Um, and in many ways, this has been his also his best uh, collegiate season so far of his career. Um, similar to Bo Nix when he makes the, the change. Uh, from kind of in the south southern region of the country over there, uh, Clemson in the ACC um, wasn't exactly the right fit for DJ under Dabo Sweeney. 
He makes the change, comes to the PNW under Jonathan Smith, has had a really solid season, and in many ways, like I said, uh, is his best season so far in the collegiate level. Um, and Oregon State, twice this season, has gotten to the number 11 uh, ranked team in the nation. Uh, both times, however, they have lost their following game after getting up to number 11. First was against Arizona. They worked their way back to number 11 uh, to take on Washington last weekend. It was a number 5 versus 11 matchup. Uh, they hung in there with Washington at home. Uh, Washington kind of had control of the game for most of it, but Oregon State kept them in their kind of in their sights. Uh, but it came out to in the, in the Huskies' favor in the end. Um, but nonetheless, or Oregon State is a tough team. This is a team that uh, any week can go out and play hard and, and win, uh, given a couple plays go their way. Um, but this the story. This you know Oregon after I. After the Utah win, for me, um, the Oregon's it really declared that Oregon's a team that they can go out and just dominate any team. Uh, I, I get it. The Washington game was a barn burner. They came up short, a field goal short. But you look at Utah. I understand USC is is you know they've lost what six of their last seven games overall. Uh, but look, they have the Heisman Trophy winner from last year. Their offense is still really good. I get it. Their defense is one of the worst in the nation. Uh, but they've gone out and dominated these teams um, pretty easy, easily. Um, and so when you look at Oregon State, this is kind of a team very similar to Utah uh, in terms of how they how they function on defense and offense. I'd say offense, Oregon State's a little more uh, put together just because you know, Utah's down to their third-string quarterback. DJ is the guy. He's been the number one quarterback for Oregon State. He's been able to stay healthy for the most part this year. Um, but I, I almost see this as this is a game that it could seem close just because it's Oregon, Oregon State. Both teams are ranked. But Oregon can once again, I think, kind of just dominate and almost not shock the world, but impress again. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, I think that this is almost going to be like another Oregon-Utah game where it's going to be two complete football teams going against each other. Oregon and Oregon State on offense and defense, they pretty much go head-to-head -head to each other. Solid offense for both teams. Pretty good defense for both as well. Right now, Oregon State's in number four right now in all the Pac-12 football team defense. As far as yards is given up, Oregon's at number two. So, I mean, I agree. I think with, with what I've been impressed most about this Oregon Duck team is that a lot of teams, after they lose the first game of the year, kind of just fall downhill. And I think that's what we saw for USC. But Oregon has really just came out a lot stronger after that Washington loss because... You know, they knew that it wasn't over. I think a lot of teams, sometimes they lose that first game. They're like, oh, well, we're done. You know, there's no more chance for a top four spot. That has not been Oregon's mentality at all. They went, they came back to Eugene against Washington State. They dominated. Then they dominated against Utah, a top-ranked team. Put a, Just absolutely lit up Cal, USC, and then Arizona State. So really, I mean, if anything, I would say this team is much stronger than before the Washington game, even though they did go into that game undefeated. Really... They're just playing with a chip on their shoulder now. They're playing with a bunch of fire, and that's really why I think they have the competitive edge over Oregon State this weekend. Yeah, and, and for Bo Nix, I mean, every single game this season, uh, his poise and confidence, you can just see it. It, it resonates throughout the entire stadium. Um, he's so smart with the ball where he decides to go with the ball. He's accurate. His arm strength, I think, has gotten better and better every year. Uh, he can sling it uh, just as good as anyone else in the nation. 
Um, he's ran less this year, much less than this year than last year. But he hasn't had to. That's the thing. He doesn't really have to take off and run. He's able to be effective with his arm enough to where he can still get the ball downfield, uh, not turn the ball over. Only two interceptions to this point this season. Um, he's just he. I, me when I watch him, I feel just so confident in him. And the, when the ball's in his hands, the Oregon offense just excels. Ben, absolutely. I, I was gonna bring up the point of, of, of predictions. We have. Uh, I believe the line is 13 and a half is the spread. Mm-hmm. And Oregon is obviously uh, favored in that spread. What do you guys think uh, will be the result of that? Yeah, well, I actually wrote the uh, the written preview on the KWVA website. Go check it out. A uh, little plug. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, my prediction there was a 35-21 Oregon victory. So just over, I guess, on that line. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that score. I think, you know, with Oregon's offense, the way they've been producing, I definitely could see them putting over uh, uh, 30 points. With Oregon State, it's really going to depend on how the Oregon defense controls them, and they control Ugalele and the offense, really, because the way that, you know, I said this yesterday on the show, this Oregon team, a lot of people thought that they were going to have to be dependent on takeaways, on interceptions, on fumbles. But we saw it against Arizona State where they pitched a shutout in the first half, yet they didn't have any takeaways. So really, it's just a matter of if they can contain Oregon State's offense, get them off the field as quickly as possible, and give Bo Nix a chance to just pile on on the scoreboard. Ben, so you go, was that the, there? Is Oregon State covering the spread or no? I, I didn't. Get that <laughs> I just, Jonas said cover, right? Uh, yeah, I said cover. You got fourteen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just barely. I'll say they cover with fourteen. All right, so I says they cover with fourteen, and no, I will no, also say they cover with fourteen. Right. I'm gonna go thirty-one to what is that? Fourteen is that? 31 to, 40, what? 31 to 17. There you go. That's a 14. Okay. okay. 14 so, so, okay, let's get more, let's get more in depth into it though. What, what are the key factors here? What are the, I guess, keys of the game? You like, as you like to call it, um, to, to that score for them to be able to cover where does it come down on the offense? Does it come down? To, can they hold DJ Uagalele and Martinez on defense? Where does it kind of come down to for Oregon? I think it's just going to be the defense. Like I said, I, the offense is still going to need to show out, of course. I don't think that Bo Nix is going to need another crazy stat line like he had against Arizona State to keep his name in the Heisman because this is going to be a high-stakes game. So, honestly, if they can just win the game no matter what he does, I think it still just puts a good, you know, it's just a good win on his, on his Heisman resume. But the offense is still going to need to show out a little bit. They're going to probably have to put over 20 points because Oregon State can still they can still put up points on the board when they want to. They've been averaging a little over 36 points a game this season. They put up 62 against Stanford, 52 against Cal. It's not much of a threat, I would say, the Oregon State offense as Oregon, but it's still a very good offense. And I think two guys that are going to be key is obviously Uigalele's two top receivers, Jack Veeling and Silas Bolden. They've pretty much just been almost like the Troy Franklin and Tez Johnson of Oregon, mm-hmm. where they've just been two targets that their quarterback could just go back-to-back. It doesn't matter who he throws it up to, they're just going to come down with the ball, and they've been really effective for this Oregon State offense. And like I said, Oregon doesn't need takeaways. They just need to slow down the offense as much as possible, burn the clock, get quick touchdowns on offense, and just try to get Oregon State off the field as quickly as possible. I agree. I think it, I think it comes down to Oregon's defensive line and stopping Martinez in the run game. Saw that game last year. Oregon State really killed Oregon through uh, running it on the ground. So I think if Oregon can step up, Dan Lanning, again, this offseason really focused on that defensive line. If he can 
prove that he made that improvement uh, this year, that'd be huge, and that's what I think the key to the game will be. Yeah, for sure. And I also think keep a close eye on the penalty battle. That's been Oregon's Achilles heel all year is they have every game they have had, they have out-penalized uh, their opponents pretty much every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that – I feel like at some point this season, I've been thinking that at some point that's going to come up and catch them. That's going to yeah. bite them. Um, that could very well be tomorrow night, but who knows? We'll see. But that there's been a couple just kind of blunder mistakes uh, that are, you know, there's a couple against USC. Um, they've had a couple just nine, 10 penalty games that they've gotten away with. A lot of them have, have been kind of blowouts by the time they've gotten these penalties. But um, you know, in a close game like tomorrow night could very well be potentially against Washington again. Um, that's not going to be able to, you know, that's going to cost them a couple drives, time of possession, um, and possible takeaways or touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. I think penalties has just been a real problem for this team all year long. It's just been kind of the weaker points. Even though they have been successful, you really look at each game individually and see the amount of penalties they had. It started against Texas Tech. It happened against Colorado. It happened against Stanford, where even though they, they're winning these games pretty comfortably, they kind of either have a slow start or penalties just catch up to them. It's a reason that the USC game was a lot closer down the stretch, really, because penalties just killed them. Arizona State, they did a much better job. They didn't have any penalties in the first half against Arizona State, which I thought was really good and really impressive. And I, Dan Lane touched on that in the postgame. He said that he was proud of that more than, they, than what they scored, which is penalties, because they were staying... They kept their composure, but yet they were staying aggressive on offense. So, yeah, I think, you know, they've gone away with it for most of the season, but a team like Oregon State that's very aggressive and very um, fierce is going to take advantage of that if Oregon just commits way too many penalties. So against Oregon State, they're going to have to keep it in check. Against Washington, the Pac-12 championship, they're going to have to keep it in check. The final Oregon State-Oregon showdown, at least for the foreseeable future, it's all started back in 1894. That was the very first matchup between these two schools. Oregon State was not even Oregon State yet. They're Oregon Agricultural University. <laughs> and they won that game 16 to nothing. They beat the Ducks in the very first matchup. Not, I, don't, I highly doubt it's going to be the very last matchup tomorrow night. They'll play again at some point, but we don't know when. Yeah. So tomorrow night could be the final chapter for quite some time. Oregon, the favorite, and I think we all agreed – 35-21, you said 31-17, Ben? 31-17. Saul, what was your score? I would agree with your score. 35-21? 35-21. Yeah. I mean, of course, we would say Oregon's going to win <laughs> here in KWVA Studios. But tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m., national televised, primetime, Black Friday, Oregon and Oregon State. We're going to take one more break before we end the show. When we come back, we got some NFL games going on. It's Thanksgiving. Of course, there's three NFL games One currently going, Washington and Dallas currently playing right now. We'll talk about them when we come back here on 88.1 FM. KWVA. KWVA. KWVA is proud to be the broadcast affiliate of the Bushnell University Beacons. Starts his way inside, puts it up, and the foul. He flexes with the strength. Keyshawn Dawkins is able to put it down, and the Beacons are rolling. If you like what you hear on 88.1, your favorite broadcasters also take the airways for Beacon Volleyball, Basketball, Baseball, and Softball. Live broadcasts can be found at portal.stretchinternet.com slash Bushnell. 
Once again, that's portal.stretchinternet.com slash bushnell. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Is there a Quacksmack moment that you want to relive? Well, lucky for you, KWVA Sports isn't just on the radio. KWVARadio.org is where you can find archived interviews, full shows, and exclusive web-only content. It's all available for you on KWVARadio.org. This is Travis Tyke, former assistant sports director at KWVA. Cheers! You're listening to Quacksmack. Back inside the KWVA studios here on this 2023 edition of Thanksgiving. I'm your host, Jonah Burnell, here inside the studios, joined alongside Ben McGrath and Mr. Saul. Final segment here of the show, and we're going to talk some NFL. Of course, every year, three NFL games make up Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving slate. It got kicked off with Ben McGrath's Green Bay Packers victory this morning at Detroit. Ben Begin your rant. Dude, how about that? The Green Bay <laughs> Packers are back. We're heading to try to win this division. I think it's possible. I think oh. it's possible. Last time we played, the Lions was at Lambeau Field, and it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> it looked like the Lions were the best team in the NFL. And this time around, not the same. Jared Goff mm. looked like back to Jared Goff, Ooh. Um, Ooh. which was – trash talk. I'm not a big Jared Goff fan, as you can maybe tell. But Jordan Love was looking amazing. The Packers offense – was rolling, but it was all about the Packers' defense who just dominated the line. Yeah, they, they made Goff look uncomfortable all game. They were getting to him. Uh, obviously, he's he can't really move much. He's not he's not a mobile quarterback. So when you get pressure on him, it takes away their whole scheme for Detroit. Um, I, I just Even still, I don't think they utilize Jameer Gibbs the way that he can be utilized to its fullest, his fullest. I know they like David Montgomery as like the split-back guy. Uh, they've used Montgomery so shockingly more this year than I would have ever expected. I thought Montgomery was kind of on the not downslide, but you know he had his time in Chicago, didn't make too much of it, changed the senior in Detroit. Maybe he starts getting less of a role now in this time, this point of his career, especially with a rookie running back, a first round draft pick. But he's gotten seemingly more touches, uh, more snaps than Jameer Gibbs has. Yeah, I mean, you know, unlike Ben, I'm from Chicago as well, but I'm a Bears fan, so I we we, we grew up uh, polar opposites, I would say. But but I will say, I, I was watching the Packers game, and I thought they played really well. Jordan Love is definitely a guy who has gotten a lot better as the season progressed. I'm not sure if I can declare him yet as a franchise QB like Aaron Rodgers or like Brett Favre, but he definitely has a lot of potential, and, and I think it's taken him some time to just kind of settle into that role of leadership because even when he did play – when Rodgers was still in Green Bay, he never had full control of the team. Now it's his team. It's his, you know, kind of franchise in a sense. And really it's up to him as to whether he becomes the guy for Green Bay or whether they're going to move on. It really is kind of difficult, too, because this is his first season that he is the starting quarterback, yet 
the Green Bay is most likely going to draft a QB just because of the surmountable amount of QBs that are going to be in this draft and good QBs too uh, in this upcoming NFL draft. So it, it, Packers are going to be an interesting team going forward, but I still got to give the Lions, you know, the favorite just to win the division overall. They're just a really good team. But I got to agree with you, Jonah. Dave Montgomery, he played for Chicago and. He's a really good running back. He's very physical. He's been really good this year. He's, he's been a very, pleasant surprise. Yeah, he's very good. He's very physical. I definitely think he belonged on this Lions team with the way that Dan Campbell's style of play is. But, yeah, when you have a first-round guy like Jameer Gibbs, you need to give him all the, the snaps in the world, especially if he's going to be a franchise running back. I, I'm still kind of baffled as to how much Montgomery's being used. But, I mean, maybe Campbell's just not ready to, to let Gibbs off the leash yet. Ben, you, you, you're thinking you can – you guys can come back. You're behind Minnesota in the division. Of course, Detroit's still eight and three. You're thinking there's still a chance. I don't think there's a chance. I think the Lions will go on. No, no, no. <laughs> let, let me let me. I don't think there's a chance we could win the division. I think there's a chance we can make the playoffs okay. through through the wild wow, card. Okay. I don't think there's a chance that the Lions will slip that no. hard. I think the Lions are a good football team. Um, but sort of bouncing back to Jordan Love a little bit. Um, he's had a bunch of struggles. And uh, obviously, people compare him to Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to say he's going be, to become Aaron Rodgers, but people forget Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starting quarterback. He threw 13 interceptions, which is very unlike anything that Aaron Rodgers did after that. And he, they also went 6-10 and 10 in Aaron Rodgers' first season with the Packers. Everyone thought that was a disaster. Everyone was missing Brett Favre. And then he turned it around. Once he was truly given the keys to the team, Aaron Rodgers was able to take control and had winning seasons pretty much the rest of his career. And I think something similar can happen with Jordan Love. Yeah, I think and it's been proven time and time again. Coach Matt LaFleur is is fully behind Jordan Love. He's been very patient with him for multiple years now. Um, and I, possibly it's starting to come around the last two weeks. You know, last week against the Chargers at home. Chargers, one of the better defenses and the better half side of the league defense defensively. Um, played really well against them. And then, again, I mean, today was even better um, against one of the best teams in the NFC for sure. Um, and perhaps it's starting to finally come together. This team is super young. I think, Ben, you mentioned that the youngest team in the NFL are the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and really most of it's on offense. You know, Jordan Love, obviously. A.J. Dillon's still young. And you got Christian Watson in his second year. Jaden Reed. I believe is a rookie. Is that correct, Ben? Jaden Reed's a rookie? Yeah. Yeah, Jaden Reed's a rookie. Uh, both have great upside. Romeo Dobbs um, as well. This has kind of been – the Packers, I mean, since what? What would you say, Ben? Jordy, Jordy Nelson? Greg Jennings? For what? Since receiver. they've had a marquee receiver. I mean, Devontae Adams. Okay, Devontae Adams. I'm sorry. Yeah. That totally slipped my mind. Yeah, that's that's a blunder. I'm no, but Devontae you, Adams. You're yes. not wrong. The the Packers have had struggles at receiver recently. Yeah. And my point my point trying to be like they can have one guy, but they don't have really anyone else to support it. Uh, that was the issue with Rodgers. He, he talked about multiple, multiple times that he needed help. He needed a supporting cast that he's throwing to that's not just Devontae Adams. It's got to be a unit. And I still think now they don't have that unit yet. Granted, these guys are all young, so there's potential there. But I think they still need a veteran guy and a type of receiver that is a game changer, is a game wrecker, uh, that can catch 10 balls a game. They don't have that. They haven't had that since Devontae Adams. And even before Devontae, uh, really, it had been since Jordy Nelson. It hadn't been since him that they had that type of guy. Uh, you know, Christian Watson right now catches, what, four or five balls a game. 
and then you reach, you know, Jaden Reed, you kind of just picking and choosing guys that catch four or five balls a game. They haven't had that 10 catch, you know, top five in the league receiver uh, for some time. But if they can get that, that seems to be the conversation every year with this team. But if they can get that, it changes the whole dynamic for, for Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I will say, too, that the Packers are probably one of the better teams that has kind of planned for their QB departure. Because a lot of other teams, we saw it with New England when Brady left. We saw it, I'm not even sure who else, maybe Broncos, too, with Peyton Manning. Teams didn't really know what to do after their QB left. They didn't really have a backup plan. They didn't have any players, really. But the Packers do kind of have that young unit, like you said, where they get more experience. You maybe add a couple additions in the offseason through trades or whatever. And then, you know, in two, three years, you're looking like a really competitive team in the NFC versus some of the other teams where you lose your main guy, a quarterback, and now you completely have to rebuild. Like I said, I'm not sure Jordan Love is the going to be the franchise guy, but he has a pretty good unit around him to where he can make stuff happen. And, you know, he's not really complaining that he needs more on offense. Yeah, and I, you talked about planning for Jordan Love and planning for the departure of Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think you could have said that any better. This is the youngest team in the NFL. Their average age is 25. Everybody mm. is above that. And you see a lot of teams, when they start their rebuilding mode, they are just torn apart, have tons of old players, they have long-tenured players. But the Packers really did this rebuild nicely, and, and they've made it so that just two years in, we're a competitive football team. So the Packers – Kicked off Thanksgiving, they get a 29-22 to win over Detroit in Detroit. Uh, game two is going on right now. It's Dallas and Washington. Uh, Dallas, I believe, has won 13 straight games at home. That's what the ESPN headline reads. Uh, and they have owned Washington in recent history. Uh, they currently lead 14-3. Brandon Cooks just had a 33-yard touchdown, I believe, from Dak Prescott. Um, so 14-3 lead for Dallas. Uh, Washington, it's a weird team every year also. They they show potential of they're a tough, stingy team that could be a fringe playoff team. But then they have performances like last week against the Giants where three interceptions from Sam Howell. Uh, they look like a bottom-level team. So it's hard. It's always hard to gauge this Washington team. I, I take them seriously because they, they always play the Eagles tough every year no matter what their record shows. Um, but, you know, again, Dallas has owned them. Um, so I, for me, it was pretty easy to think Cowboys should just control this game from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, it, Washington, New York, uh, the Giants, they're just always in a tough battle with, with Dallas and Philadelphia because those are two teams that year in and year out, they are just, you know, they're, they're really competitive. And Philly hasn't always been the number one team in the NFC, but, I mean, you know, they've always been really competitive with Dallas for that number one spot. And then, like you said, you got Washington and New York at the bottom. They're just kind of – they're pretty much like a fringe team. I, I mean, you know, they, they've had some really good guys when they had Carson Wentz. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you're said like, good. Well, I mean, somewhat good, I would say. That was a long time Car ago. Carson Wentz on the a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, th this Washington team definitely has potential. But as far as a team that can compete with Dallas, you know, I, I knew that, you know, obviously Dallas is only winning 14-3, to but – it, definitely in the second half, I could see Dallas running away with this one. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the pressure's on for Dallas. It's time to step up if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Year in and year out, it's uh, underperforming and underperforming and underperforming. And right now, there's no real pressure to win the division. I think they could sort of let the Eagles have that, but the wild card is a must for yeah. the Cowboys this year. They need to show up. 
the Giants and Commanders are both having kind of disastrous seasons, I think, and it, it's time to to step up if you're Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Yeah, and of course the stretch they're on right now, it's the time for that offense to pad their numbers. You know, they've had New York, they just demolished the Giants. Then they had Carolina, who's the worst team in the league, last week took care of them. And then Washington, who's struggled this year as well. So they've had a pretty easy stretch to this point. Um, just real quick to touch up and finish up on Washington. Sam Howell, um, he leads the league in passing yards, believe it or not. Um, it's it's pretty crazy to think that. Uh, you would not at all believe that if you looked at a 4-7 and seven Washington team. But Sam Howell is leading the league in passing yards. Um, again, very inconsistent. He's had games where he can be – you would believe that he's the passing yard leader. Then there's games that you would think, gosh, does he start next week? Like there, it's just – it's so back and forth. Ron, Ron Rivera possibly going to be on the hot seat at the end of the year. Um, you know, he's been there for multiple seasons now through different quarterbacks. Can't really get – seem to get the ship righted. Um Kudos to Terry McLaurin. He stuck through all these different quarterbacks and through the whole Washington ownership, you know, mess. Um, he's stuck with Washington, um, and he's had a great career, really, in Washington. He's built himself up. It would I'd love to see him play on a different team and a contending team. Um, yeah, Washington, man, it's just it's a strange, strange team. The final game later tonight before we end the show, San Francisco and Seattle, to me, is game of the day of the three. Uh, in uh, division NFC West division battle, uh, both teams with winning records. Seattle at home. Geno Smith not 100% seemingly. It's got that arm injury from last week. I think Seattle is kind of fraudulent. I don't think their record really shows who they are. They were six and three going into last weekend. I don't look at them as a six and three team. I look at them more as a 500 level team. Um, and I think San Francisco since who since getting Chase Young have looked like they're back to a Super Bowl almost favorite, you could say, over Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I, I've always looked at the, the San Francisco team, especially with the defense, with Bosa, and now they have Young. They're just really a, a really competitive team year in and year out. And, you know, realistically looking at it right now, there's not a lot of contenders that you could say that are Super Bowl right now. You could say the 49ers are. You could say the Eagles are in the NFC. And then really in the AFC – it's really just the Chiefs because the Bills have not been playing good. Granted, they are six and five. Mm -hmm. the The Bengals have not been playing good as well. They're done. They're, yeah, they're no done. Burrow. Yeah, without Burrow. I mean, right now we're looking at the Jaguars and the Browns being the number two and Miami. three team, Miami. and Miami as well. So it's really been interesting to see how the season has gone so far. But the way this four nine team has been playing, I really don't see why they can't, you know, be in contention for a Super Bowl either against the Chiefs or against Miami. Ben, wrap it up. I think it's time for the 49ers to show up year in and year out. They've, they've played in the playoffs, but they've lost. Like, they beat the Packers when the Packers were the number one seed. Uh, they were the number one team in the league just a couple years ago. And they beat them last year. Kind of got screwed uh, against the Eagles. So it's I'm very excited for, for 49ers fans and, and that franchise because it, is, it's, it seems like it's time. They have all their weapons are on contract. Brock Purdy is maybe an answer for uh, – for this offense and exciting time to be a 49ers fan. That's the third and final game later on tonight, Seahawks and the 49ers. Enjoy your turkey, ham, macaroni and cheese, pizza, steak, apparently salad, whatever you eat. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone here in Eugene and across everyone listening. Jonah Burnell, your host, joined by Ben McGrath and Mr. Saul. 
Tune back in next week, Monday, Quacksmack returns right here on KWVA 88.1 FM. to Quack Smack on KWVA. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. <laughs>